and welcome to the City of Fruit podcast. Fruit is used as a metaphor, not of our direct actions, but the things produced as a result of our lives. This isn't about just the things that we're accomplishing, but the true deeper meaning and lasting impact of what we're doing. This is your host, Palmer Thomas, and I'm excited to have you here on this journey with me. Senator John Cook. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks. How are you? I'm doing well. Um, So this is the City of Fruit podcast. So the question we like to ask right off the top is what is your favorite fruit? Wow. Uh, My favorite fruit, um, Colorado peaches. I like it. I like it. He's got the native answer. Yeah. uh, You know, they're juicy, they're sweet, and um, you can't go wrong with it. That is true. Sometimes they just get a little bit too juicy. They're hard to eat. Yeah, well, they're slobbery. And, they you know, are. those old Carl Jr. commercials with, you don't get, a, you know, the ketchup and tomatoes and the uh, mustard all over your face and all your clothing. It's just not worth eating. That's it. That's it. That's, I, I love it. Yeah. I, that's a good summer fruit then for sure when you're just getting all sweaty anyways. Right. Um, so you um, have been a senator for how long? Uh, this is my fifth uh, fifth year. I got elected in 2015, in January of 2015. So I'm approaching my uh, will be my sixth session in January. Awesome. And you're up in Weld County. I am. Um, and so you, you were telling me that you made it up there to that area personally for college and then made it went back there for, for politics and to just to live uh, later on. Yeah, I, uh, when I graduated from Arvada West and went up to the University of Northern Colorado. And when I graduated from up there, um, I started off as a history major, and not because I love history, but I wanted to get in law enforcement, so I changed it to uh, sociology after a couple of years. And the day I graduated, I had a, uh, a degree in SOCH and went up to Breckenridge, worked up there for almost five years and had enough of the winters and decided to go back to a place that I love, and, and which was Greeley, and I've been there now 30 plus years. And what were you doing prior to this? Uh, I was the Sen- or I was the uh, sheriff of Weld County. I did 30 years at the Weld County Sheriff's Office, kind of working my way up the ranks. Um, started off as a patrol deputy, then I became a person's crime investigator, which means I investigated homicides, rapes, and sex assaults on children. And I did that for about um, almost six years, then got promoted to detective sergeant, and from there, um, after several years, a lieutenant in charge of internal affairs, then became patrol captain, and then ran for sheriff, and I did three terms as a sheriff, so 12 years as the elected sheriff of Weld County. Very cool. Awesome. I, I was done sheriff on uh, January 5th of 2015 and got sworn in here at the Capitol uh, January 7th of 2015. <laughs> so I was unemployed for two days. Two days of unemployment. Yeah. Did you collect unemployment? I, you know, days? I'm still trying to find my unemployment check for those two days, but uh, <laughs> so far uh, I can't, can't get a hold of it. That's, hey, you know, I, that's fair. But you didn't take much of a break between that. Did you, did you ever see yourself growing up or just through, through being a, a police officer and then up into a sheriff? Did you ever, um, or did you think or have the goal of the whole time being in politics, being a senator, being um, in the office at all? Um, yes and no. I, I grew up uh, being a conservative Republican at age 12. There's a great uh, photo of my older sister and my younger sister, and it's black and white, and it's a family portrait. And uh, we're sitting there, and in the portrait, I'm wearing a button that says Nixon's the one. 
And uh, so at age 12, I was already involved in, uh, in politics, supporting Republicans, and then grew up in Arvada. And so at 18, I went to my first caucus and got elected as a delegate to the county assembly. So I went to the, uh, um, the Jefferson County uh, County Assembly, where I remember casting a vote for uh, Sheriff Harold Bray, who was, uh, I think he was the sheriff there for 30 plus years. And uh, so I remember that. And when I went up to Breckenridge, uh, like I said, it was the day I graduated, I had the cop job. and I stopped at the uh, police department, looked at the front door, and I said, I'm going to become a chief someday, a police chief. Um, but I did one better. I became a, uh, the elected sheriff. And um, so I've always been involved in politics, working on people's campaigns and committees. And when I went to Weld County, and uh, I decided, you know, I'm going to run for sheriff probably 15 years before I did. Hmm. And uh, so I started preparing myself for that race. Again, 15 years before um, being on boards of directors, getting my name out there, um, you know, working with the different community groups. Uh, that way I, I figured um, I might not have a challenger, and I didn't. I didn't have a primary, didn't have a general for my first two terms. And my third term I had a, um, a general election, but I won by 76 to 24%. What, um, you know, politics seems like it's become such a, kind of like it's just a taboo word even, and people don't understand kind of the relevance or the like personal heart that they play in that. What, what would you say, um, like, why, like, why do you care about politics is the question, but from, from a lens of, like, personally, why do you think it matters at all? Why do you care about it? Because, um, it, yeah, it just seems like it's become something that's like, oh, that's for those people over there, and it doesn't affect my life unless I have these certain, these certain small issues or whatever. Um, but why personally do you think that you care about it at all? Well, you know, you're right. Sometimes when you, people say politician, it's in a negative term, and people uh, look down, I think, uh, on politicians, but I think they look more at the national level. Uh, I hear all the time people will say, hey, you're doing a great job, keep up the good work, and thank you for your service. Thank you for what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And so I think it is important to um, the people in our communities. Uh, I know it's very important to the people up in, up in Greeley, what I do here. And I, I think that's why I do it, because it is important to uh, my constituents. I, I grew up with those people you know, for the last 30 some odd years. When I say grow up, I mean not literally as a child, but um, through politics. I grew up uh, with, with the people up in, in Greeley and Weld County. And I think they have a healthy respect for what we do down here. And what we do has a huge effect on their lives. And I think people are realizing that when they see a bad bill get passed, uh, when they see whether that politicians are trying to increase their taxes or take more money from them. They are concerned. And I, I, I try to fight the good fight for my constituents to represent them the best way I can. And that's through uh, conservative values, less government, less taxes, uh, more personal freedom, more liberty. And I think people appreciate that. And, and that's why I do it, to represent them. I have 35 years of public service in law enforcement and then as uh, the elected sheriff which is the direct representative to the people in law enforcement and i represented their values as that and i wanted to continue on at the state level of representing their values and and their philosophies down here yeah very cool um and, and so i guess with that do you feel that there um you know weld county is uh, like you said there's a good amount of people that live in weld county um but it's not denver which i think denver has you know, the more than half the people in all of Colorado live in, in this city. Um, what do you see uh, as the div kind of divide between like rural and city areas? Um, and do you feel like represented by, do you feel like your constituents maybe even feel represented by 
um, the things that are coming out of the, the on the state level politically. Correct. Yeah. No. You know, it, Weld County uh, is about three hundred thousand, a little over three hundred thousand, and it's a large county, four thousand square miles. And uh, I feel, I think they feel isolated uh, from what's going on down here. If you look at what's, uh, who's in charge down here, you know, the governor's from Boulder. The Speaker of the House is from Boulder. The uh, majority leader is from Boulder. And uh, the majority leader in the, in the House grew up in Boulder and moved to Denver. So there's very little representative outside the Denver-Boulder area. And uh, you look at what happened just a few years ago. Weld County started a movement to secede from the state of Colorado and become the 51st state. And there were many counties, I think there were like 13 or 14 counties that put the issue to the vote of the people. And uh, it passed in, I think, six of the counties. It didn't pass in Weld County, but it uh, did pass in six of those 13 counties to secede and become their own state because of the lack of representation, the lack of a voice being heard um, down here at the Capitol. And so there is this huge divide, and there's talk now again about seceding because, uh, from Colorado because of Senate Bill 181, the anti-oil and gas bill, and becoming part of Wyoming to see if Wyoming would annex Weld County or northeastern Colorado mm-hmm. because our values are more in line with the state of Wyoming than they are of Denver-Boulder. Yeah. And so, yes, there is, I believe, a divide, and people up in my neck of the woods, um, I, I think, are tired of not having their voices heard. Yeah, well, and that's on a state level, right? And then you can even talk about nationally, right. where you said that you don't, or a lot of people there feel like they're more aligned with the values of Wyoming than Colorado. Um, I feel like the voice of Wyoming is not even a, a whisper in the national level, almost. What um what what would you say like for um, you know, for just a, a person that's you know not in politics, a person that's voting, or um, but but a person that's not directly involved in politics, what would be like the most um, impactful or um, purposeful thing that I should do or how should I get involved practically um, to, to, to have my voice heard? Other, I mean, is there anything that you would suggest other than voting? Yeah, a couple of things. One is getting involved. Um, obviously, voting is very is one of the, is like probably the number one priority. Yeah. But there's other ways to get involved. Colorado's a caucus state. And it, the base of both parties go to the caucus. So you have the... Um, very conservative and you have the very liberal ones that go to their respective caucuses and if you want a voice people need to go to their local caucus because that's where it all starts so you go to your caucus you elect delegates to go to the county assembly and there you elect delegates to go to the state assembly and then those places where are where you pick your county representatives if you go to the state assembly that's where you pick the people running for the state offices so if you want a voice you need to go to those because um, that's where the people get picked. But less than, I think it's 5% of the people uh, go to those assemblies or the caucus. And so a lot of people feel like they're not getting their voices heard. And if they want their voice heard, they have to work within the, within the system. And the other thing is uh, majorities matter. And so when people tell me, hey, I don't vote for the party, I vote for the person, I tell them, well, that's, that's the wrong thing. You know, you need to vote for the party because um, if you have, like what we had last election, um, the Democrats took control of the House, or they had control of the House, but they took control of the Senate and the governor. And we have one party rule. And that's why I think people are feeling disenfranchised because their voices aren't being heard because one party is ramrodding everything through, whether or not it represents the people. You look at um, the ballot initiatives that we had uh, in November. 
Republicans, well, I'm going to say we, won on every policy issue. We said, no, we don't want more regulations on oil and gas. We don't want increase in sales tax. We don't want increase in, in uh, property tax, or not, um, in income tax. We don't want more government regulation. And all those initiatives failed big time. But then the people voted for the, the people that do want more taxes and, and more regulations on business. And so when people say, well, I vote for the person, I, think, I tell them that's the wrong thing because if you're in the majority, you control everything. Hmm. And so if you want uh, bad government, vote for the person as opposed to the party. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I saw that too in November, right? It was everyone with the D next to their name won, and yet all the policies, which I guess I think a lot of people don't, if, if the policies had a D and an R next to it, it might help. Right. Or not <laughs> maybe, help. Maybe not. Yeah, it was, a, it was a, people say it was a blue wave election. I say, no, it was a punishment election because, mm. you know, I, I think Donald Trump's doing a great job. Um, do I like how he does it? Sometimes, yeah, not so much. But um, he's not popular amongst suburban women. And so when you look at the election, they went down. When you lose Republican sheriffs, Republican county commissioners, Republican clerk and recorders, they're just going straight down ticket. And it was a punishment election and not a, I don't think, a blue wave election. Yeah. Um, what, what's your opinion on, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of people coming to Colorado. Obviously, mm-hmm. everybody feels that and knows that. And I don't have any problem necessarily with the population uh the, with the group of people that it are that it is, but it's it's generally you know um, similar uh, beliefs, similar voting, similar income level, similar uh, just the similar type of person is probably 90 percent of the people that are moving here, um, and clearly it it causes um, at least Denver especially to get more and more concentrated kind of with that like liberal twenty five to thirty five year old uh, person and. You know, you see it, I think, like we just had the mayoral election and there was five Democrats and one Libertarian on the ballot, not even a Republican on the ballot for, for mayor of Denver. Um, and, and that seems to be, yeah, I, I, like we were saying, I think that happens across most cities that's happening. Um, and then the rural areas are, are people moving away, I think, a lot from the cities that are going into those. So they kind of are becoming more and more spread. Um, but do you... You know, uh, like from a place, I bet most of the people that live in in Weld County are not necessarily like new transplants to the state. And so then they're having to vote a- along the same planes as somebody who uh, a lot of people are from San Francisco and from Chicago and from wherever else they're from. Um, how do you see that like impacting Denver, even on like a city level? Well, I think you described it very well. The um, we're, we're seeing a large influx of people from California. Now, I'm not one of these that you say, okay, let's shut the door and not let anybody in. Yeah. Um, my family came here in the 1850s. They settled in Arvada in the 1850s. So my family's been here a long time. Um, but on the other hand, I don't like to see these Californians coming in because what they did is they ruined their state and they have high taxes. They have high unemployment or uh, high um, homelessness and they ruined their state and they're coming here and they're concentrating here in the, in the Denver metro area. And Unfortunately, they are voting more liberal, voting more Democrat. And so as a result of that, we see homelessness on the 16th Street Mall. Uh, I own a place on the 16th Street Mall, and I think it's a disgusting place. I talk to people all the time about how they hate walking down there because they get accosted by the homeless. Uh, you know, they get hit up. They, you know, there's street people all over the place, people urinating, defecating on the streets. And if you look at some of the major cities in California, Los Angeles, San Francisco, um, they're bringing those problems with them. And I think the the legalization of marijuana, uh, 
precipitated a lot of that. And uh, so I think they're having a huge effect on the Denver metro area. And unfortunately, Denver metro has a lot of, uh, you know, the population. And so that's why the Denver Boulder area has the people in, in control of the, the state house. And uh, we're seeing the effects of that. Yeah. And, and what do you think there is a way, you know, um, again, so like this podcast is about producing fruit in our city, mm-hmm. um, which I think one has to come from people coming together on on things and not just in in theory or in, in say, but like actually, um, you know, from the practical side of it, what do you see as some a way, um, you know, I think even nationally things are getting so polarized, they seem. Do you feel that being in politics? Do you feel that even locally or? Nationally, do you feel it becoming more and more polarized? Oh, absolutely. You know, the, the, my first four years down here, the Republicans were in control of the Senate and the uh, Democrats were in control of the House. And it, what I, I described it as, you know, um, the, we were the backstop uh, for the bad bills coming over from the House. So we killed a lot of what I could say they're, they're dumb, ridiculous bills, and they killed our good bills. But if you look at it, it forced, it, forced people to work together. So if we wanted a bill passed, if let's say I wanted a bill passed, I had to work with a House Democrat because it had to get through the House. If a House Democrat wanted to work uh, to get a bill passed, they had to work with a Senate Republican. And so we didn't have the far left, we didn't have the extreme left or the extreme right um, passing bills because the, those kind of bills were killed by there either was balance. Yeah. yeah. And so there was a lot of dialogue. There was a lot of uh, working together. There was a, a lot of compromise. And I think in the end, most of the time, good bills made it through. Now, with one party in charge, um, there is no compromise. And mm-hmm. we tried to compromise on a, a only gas bill, uh, Senate Bill 181. It dropped on a Friday night to be heard on a Tuesday. And we said, hey, myself, I'm the assistant minority leader, and the minority leader and I went to Senate President and uh, the, ma- the majority leader said, what's the rush? Why are we doing this? A major policy bill like this, why is it going to be heard on Tuesday, which is pretty much unheard of. And um, basically, in the end, it was, well, because uh, we can, it's in the rules, live with it. And uh, so that was on Monday. On, so on Tuesday, we went down on the floor, and that was the day the bill was going to be heard. And I asked uh, for a 2,000-page bill to get read at length. We figured that was going to slow down the process. It would take about 70 hours to read it straight through. And that would, be, would force some negotiations, force some working together. Um, let's just say that didn't happen. And uh, so they... Um, got their dander up that we would dare do something like that. And they came and asked why. And he said, well, it's because it's in the rules. Um, you know, basically live with it. And we're doing it because we can. And ended up in a lawsuit. We sued uh, the Senate president and we won. And uh, they can't, because what they did is they got six computers, divvied up the bill um, in six sections and had each section read at uh, 650 words per minute. And so we sued them, said they can't do that anymore, and we won. The Denver judge agreed with us, and, and he upheld his ruling a, 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 about a week later. And unfortunately, we were hoping that they would come to us after about a half hour and say, okay, what do you guys want? Let's talk about it. Let's negotiate. Let's work. Because that's always how it's been in the past. Yeah. When the minority has its uh, say, the mi- majority has its way. And so when the minority is doing something like this, the majority members go, and, you know, the, the leadership comes and say, Okay, what, uh, what do you want? You know, let's talk about it. That didn't happen. And so um, even here at the local level, uh, it has gotten very polarized and mm. very little working together. And unfortunately, after that, we started reading everything at length and to try and force the leadership and the Democrat side to negotiate. Mm. And it 
just didn't happen very much until the very end. Yeah. So do you see, um, is, is there anything that you see that we could be doing or um, that can happen, you know, in, in, in the Capitol here to bring that back together to kind of reconcile things? Or do you see any bills that are, um, you know, I, I think like, I, I think what my question is, is obviously on the national level, it doesn't seem like that's going to be resolved anytime soon. Um, do you think that the state is just kind of following that or that there is any kind of thing that could happen on a state level that would bring things back together a little bit? Um, yeah, you, you look at what's going on in the national level and it's, and, and it's just disgusting. And, and that's why I think people are so fed up with politics and politicians. Um, on the state level, you know, again, I think it's going to take a little bit more working together, talking, at least sitting down and talking uh, as adults and say, okay, let's, let's figure this out. Let's work together. Um, let's not be too extreme and uh, just, you know, sit down in the same room and, and negotiate and talk. Um, unfortunately, like I said, that didn't happen last session. Um, the only other way is to, uh, again, to have a, um, uh, a balanced government, you know, uh, yeah. not, not total con uh, control by one party. Yeah. yeah. No, yeah, definitely. Um, what's something that, that you've uh, been able to um, either pass or just something that you've thought was like one of the best contributions that you've had? What's something you've been most passionate about that you've been able to, to help? Well, um, in your being, being my background in law enforcement, um, I, uh, I, I work very closely with victims and victims' rights groups and, and, and supporting law enforcement. Uh, but there's been several bills that I'm very proud of uh, over the five years. Uh, one in particular was Senate Bill 1, which was not this last session, but the session before last. And usually Senate Bill 1 is our number one priority as a caucus. So that was our number one priority as Republicans. And it was uh, to provide funding for transportation because the state of Colorado does not give general fund money towards transportation. Well, we had a billion dollars worth of new revenue come into the state that was unexpected. So we had a, a billion oh. dollars more, um, and it was under the Tabor cap, so we didn't, it wasn't going to be refunded. And so Senate Bill 1 provided the first year $495 million to transportation needs in this state. It was a cash infusion. And it was like, okay, here's CDOT, here's $495 million. Because for 20 years, we've given them zero. And I think people want to know that we have skin in the game as a legislature and want general fund money going to transportation. So that bill gave $495 million and it also put something on the ballot to say we want to um, uh, bond for $2.3 billion worth of uh, road projects over the next 20 years. That's how T-Rex was built. And so this would have bonded, uh, again, like I said, $2.3 billion on top of the $495 million. And then the following year, we'd give another $150 million out of the general fund. Well, this last session, even with the Democrats in charge, we ran a bill to increase that another 150 million. So it gave 300 million uh, this fiscal year to transportation needs. So um, when you go around the state, that's one of the things you hear the most about how, how bad our roads and bridges are and how little, uh, you know, how bad congestion is. And so um, I'm pretty proud of Senate Bill 1 because every single Democrat in the Senate voted for it. It came out 35-0 wow. twice. And I've talked to people that have been around here 30, 40 years, lobbyists, ex-legislators. They said that has never happened because usually that has a big target on it and because uh, it's our number one priority bill in the, as the Republicans. And so the Democrats usually all vote against it, yeah. and it's usually dead on arrival in the House. Well, it came out of the House, 
with some amendments, came back to the Senate, and again, it passed 35-0, which is totally unheard of. Yeah, that's awesome. What's something uh, that you would say, like one bill or one thing that you have uh, kind of on the top of your mind now, the next thing up, or just something for people to be looking out for? Well, I'm a very staunch supporter of our military, and to include our National Guard. Last year, I ran a bill to allow uh, people that are permanently disabled first responders, so fire, law enforcement, paramedic, who are permanently disabled from the job. If so, an officer got shot on duty and uh, is in a wheelchair because um, it might be a paraplegic, whatever, that they get a park pass, and a, a Colorado State park pass, and a hunting fishing license um, on courtesy of the state because they have um, given so much to, um, to our society, our state. This year I'm running a bill to allow Colorado National Guard to do the same thing to get a park pass because, uh, and or hunting fishing license uh, to help them with recruitment and retention because they do a lot for the state. They're, they're the first ones out, uh, you know, after the police and fire on national, uh, natural disasters. They, get a, they go to Iraq and Afghanistan and help defend our country. So I'm running that. Um, that's on the positive side. I think on the negative side, there's a bill on family leave that's coming out that we were able to make it into a study last year but it's going to be coming back and it's paid family medical leave um, on the local level. And it's going to probably drive local businesses bankrupt. And there's a billion dollar fiscal note to the state and there's just no way we can afford it. And the bill was horribly written. So like if you um, are working for one company and you quit and you go into another company after the first day, you can say, Hey, I need 12 weeks paid medical leave. And, uh, that small business is going to have to pay for it. It's a fee on your, I call it a tax. They're going to uh, put a fee on everybody's income. So wow. you're paying income tax and you're going to pay uh, income fee for something you'll never use. Like me, I'll never use it, but yet I'd have to pay for, you know, paid family leave. So that bill is going to be coming back. And uh, I think we have to be very cautious and worried about that because it could bankrupt a lot of small businesses. Yeah. Well, um, very cool. I, yeah. I like that. The, the hunting and fishing license and the, and I think that's, that's fair, at least at a minimum, right? For, yeah. For the fourth that they've that's, done. Yeah, that's what I think. Yeah. Um, what is just one short message that you'd like to pass on to um, to, to people listening to this? Um, it's a lot of people who are kind of in, in um, that 25-year-old, 35-year-old, getting into the workplace, getting involved, trying to figure out what it means to be involved in business and also be involved in what, what's my impact in politics? What's my impact on life? What am I, how do I get on my feet in all these different areas? Uh, you know what I would say? Um, is keep an open mind. Don't be, don't believe thirty second sound bites. F- you know, find things out for yourself, and do some research and, and, and not only into candidates but issues. And because I think once people start doing that, um, they become better informed. And then whether they go left or right, you know, at least they're better informed and know what they're talking about. And so I would say, um, do your research, get involved, you know, locally and community events, you know, go on, um, get on boards of directors for local uh, nonprofits, uh, you know, do ride-alongs with the police, do, you know, anything to get involved. And uh, and like I said, do your research and, and then come back and, and uh, come down to the state house and be glad to listen to them. Yeah, I love it. I just did a ride-along recently with a friend overnight in District 1. Oh, uh, really? That's uh, it's definitely an eye-opening experience. <laughs> yeah, yes, it was a it slow is. night, too, but... <laughs> Um, I, I can't even imagine. Well, thanks so much for your time today. I oh, appreciate um, it. Thanks yeah, for having me. Absolutely. Um, we'll look forward to just seeing what you're uh, up to in the future. Okay. Thanks. Great.
Thank you again for tuning into this episode of the City of Fruit podcast. We're a young podcast, so we're in need of your help. If you'd like to financially support or have any ideas of people to have on the show or ideas to talk about, please email me at cityoffruit at gmail.com. Also, remember to follow on Instagram at cityoffruit for all the updates of what we'll be doing and where things will be posted. Please get the word out there and share this with your friends around Denver and the world. And together, we can make this a city of fruit.